ride with me in my foul life. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is brought to you by Yukonuba. Every great hunter knows the best partners have four legs. Yukonuba is one of the only foods on the planet designed specifically with athletes like hunting dogs in mind. They are all about helping your hunting dog perform at their best. With over 50 years of experience, they've fine-tuned and crafted their recipes to meet the highest standards of each individual dog's needs. Here's what sets Yukonuba apart from the rest. Their commitment to sustainability and animal welfare. With every bag of Yukonuba pet food, you can feel confident knowing you're providing your hunting dog with optimal nutrition while supporting a company that prioritizes animal welfare and the environment. And as outdoorsmen, there's almost nothing more important. Don't let your hunting partner be held back by subpar nutrition. Give them the fuel they need to succeed with Yukonuba. Visit Yukonuba.com to learn more. What what did you like about Bounce, Brad? What were what were your feelings? You've seen a lot of dogs. That was your first time seeing Les's little female Bounce. What is she two? Just turned two. What were your feelings on her? You know, we um, as dog trainers we refer to style <clears throat> on the dog, and um, to describe how they act, how they look. You know, as we were talking about dogs, and I mean her style is, I mean second to none. That's that's what you're looking for. I mean, even people that don't know dogs can look at Bounce and say that's a fun dog to run. And um, she's very energetic, um, got a lot of go, but very compliant as well. I mean, the the lesson that um, Les and I were working on, she understood it right away, actually overcompensated and bowed out around the hot spot that we created with a verbal no. And um, so that shows that she's very compliant. It wouldn't wouldn't take much to to get to train her in any aspect you can tell that she's trainability is very high with her so um and i mean looking at her she she runs awesome always wants to go wants to please she she runs hard she runs really hard for a little girl quick mm-hmm. so that would be referred to in the south they say down in the south that's a neat dog Yes, yeah. they say that a lot in the south. They don't say that out here. Mm-hmm. They say it a lot down in the south. Mm-hmm. That's a that's that, that's a neat dog. Yeah, <laughs> that's a neat dog. Les, where's where's bounce out of? Um, I don't I don't know I don't know the the, the sire and the dam from 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 uh, her. I, I I don't have the papers or I didn't look at the papers on the way down here. I got them through my son who is into the field trial game. Um, he the present time has two of her litter mates, uh, two males that he runs in the trials so what do you mean you got her it was is was this a was this a what do they call that was it a dog that didn't have what it takes to get where where kurt thought he needed to get a dog yeah i think that's probably it he had he has three or four young dogs and an older couple older dogs and he didn't um he didn't think this was a dog that he could push towards the nationals and a dog trainer can tell that at let this she was less than a year old when he made she this. was about a year old <clears throat> you can tell it. by a year what if they have what it takes right around that age <clears throat> yes sir um so 12, what is, what 12, is, 12 to 16 months really. what does kurt see at a year old that he says you ain't gonna make it well um a lot of people look at style people that aren't in the game or not as advanced or are not trainers 
they look at style and misconception of that dog being good but kurt with all his success and he's been doing it forever you know he can look at that dog and see all right just because she looks great and her style is amazing doesn't mean that she is great at marking at a long distance or whatever her short retires long retires whatever it may be but so that's a talent thing so something in there he probably saw or found that isn't just right but i mean some some of the dogs that don't make it in the field trial world turn out to be the best gun dogs best hunt test dogs you could ever have we we've when i was running field trials we dropped back on a lot of those dogs and some of those were the best dogs we we've ever trained for gun dogs gentlemen gun dogs and hunt test dogs so it, it's something probably in there that he saw yeah and he he had two he had three other young dogs yeah and one and, was probably outperforming yeah and the mm-hmm. the, the the uh litter mates one of them uh, to this date has a sec or third or fourth in the amateur and, and he won a qualifying with the other one wow and he did that before they were two years old yeah so they were just so, outperforming her she, yeah. she might and here's the thing with that and uh mr kurt is successful as he is i'm sure he didn't miss it but some dogs mature later so yeah. um maybe she was a little late bloomer and she might be just as good as her litter mates she uh, marking wise she's very good i've i've been around it a li- limited amount around it but yeah. she is a good marker and she's mm-hmm. done some nice marks in, in the field for me she, um, she was really nice yesterday on the little bit that we worked the the part that i saw that stood out to me is how compliant and she wanted to please that that one little no-no drill that we ran then she started going overboard the other way so that shows hey daddy i'm gonna do everything i can to to do it right for you so she yeah she, and she's pleasant that's what, to that's be what around. i noticed yeah yeah she's just uh, in the house and around you know she's she's a house dog and uh she's really good to be around my older dog doesn't like her so much because she's constantly harassing him <laughs> kind of like being around chad uh-oh <clears throat> <laughs> um stick with that drill you're talking about we're going to talk about some of the tips we did yesterday the one this was you specifically and simply described it as the no-no drill Mm -hmm. it's just an easy drill that you you're not using a collar you're not enforcing it or reinforcing it with a collar and you're using more of your voice and before you go to the whistle is this is this pretty close to what it was yeah so um you can do it with anything and you know a lot of people say well we only want to teach good lines with a field trial dog or a hunt test dog where they can win and perform in those games but that's not true you know dogs that get habits of running around cover running around logs running around hay bales running around ponds pieces of water toolies whatever it may be when they get that habit it just gets worse and worse and worse and if you allow it and my example yesterday is if you shot a duck down out there in the toolies and the dog ran all the way around the pond and then went into the toolies the line that she's no different than you and i we see that duck go down if we walk or swim straight to it we're going to go right to it but if we go all the way around the pond the toolies are going to change we're going to come in the backside. we might mismark that duck and then you know that that game gets away so the what i do when a dog's running the mark you have to be very careful of giving corrections with an e-collar on a mark the dog's going out there and doing and getting the bird for you 
so you don't want to confuse that dog with a incorrect correction so I like to do a no-no drill so like say I would start in a yard like a golf course and put put something out there like a log throw the bumper over the log if she goes around just simply don't holler don't scream don't pitch fit no here bring her back step up get closer throw it over the log even if you have to walk over there and heal her over the log a couple times get her where she'll go over and then when she does it really just freak out with praise good girl good girl that's awesome great job and let her know and a dog that's compliant like bounce she'll say hey if i do this right man he's really gonna pitch a fit on me on praising me so this is great this is what i work for right and then increase the difficulty logs cover then go to a field that has some cover throw it through the cover and dog needs to split the cover all the way down to water like we did yesterday and then make it easy and then start um pinching that um degree of um angle that angle entry off until the dog runs around when the dog runs around no no here then throw another one a little bit easier where she's going in the water and not running around and if you do that just through attrition and just with no no and then high praise when they do it right then you have a happy dog you don't have a dog that gets down in the dumps because i'll repeat myself you have to be very careful on giving those corrections on a mark because done the wrong way then they're going to get confused and sour about going out and getting that bird what if the dog goes across the pond the bird falls right on the edge of the pond on the other side they marked it they jump over the log they do the line perfect they pick the duck up but then they try to run around the pond to come back to you is that part of this drill also that you correct that on the is it as much of a deal for the dog some dogs you see it they they'll swim across but then they, they're smart enough to run back on dry land is that something that you want to train against also to prohibit so the some trainers could argue this both ways some would say i want them to get the bird and get back as soon as possible but in time they will start mismarking birds if they don't go straight there and straight back as far as them on the way back i've seen really great field trialers um let the dog run the bank on the way back and they don't really care and they're really good successful field trialers me myself i want them to do it right um i want them to go out there straight and come back straight so um now with a gun dog you sit here with a avid duck hunter and he said brad i'll be honest man i want the dog <laughs> to run around the back i want that bird back well and you can and we've even taught some dogs that way we've taught them run around but you will have mismarked birds if you keep letting them do that the best way they can mark no different than if you and i were in a dove field we shoot that dove down out there you know how hard it's to find them and we don't have a dog or dogs somewhere else and we try to walk straight to that dove if we walk in a s to that bird we wouldn't ever find him i mean you literally have to all right i see him right there by that corn stalk i'm gonna not look up i'm not gonna when my buddy's calling my name i'm not gonna take my eyes off of that corn stalk and i'm gonna walk straight to it if you do that that's the best way to mark a bird down same for a dog let me ask you this on the return when they're coming back and if they're cheating the water on a return does that help develop cheating the water on the way out 100 percent, 100 percent. and that's that's why i want it done that way is because if 
they think they can cheat on the way back and they're allowed to cheat on the way back, then they'll start cheating on the way out. And, and, and that's why I always looked. Yeah. So I always tried to make them come back. That's right. And, and, and not cheat to water. That's right. Yep. So if the water is, and now I'm talking conditions, the temperature of the water, does that ever play a role? Like, well, it's too cold for him to go both ways. I'm going to let him get cold in the cold water or water, however you say in the cell, cold water on the way there. But I'm just going to let him dry, drip dry on the way back and run around the bay. Does that ever take into consideration in your mentality? Or is the water, if it's good enough for him to swim out there, and obviously we're always watching this as far as reps go. I've seen, we have, I've been in the blind with you. We have buddy heaters. We have chamois. We're constantly drying dogs off if it's a cold condition. Uh, and then you got to be smart enough that that's enough. We've seen it. He's done enough. She's done enough for the day. I get that part. But that divert that running back around, do you take that into consideration ever also? Or it's always there and back through the water? Yeah, I think so. Just like what you just said. I mean, we have all the, depending on the weather, we have everything in the blind to, um, you know, a little bit of kibble. Um, bring you a little um, sack of kibble in the blind when the dog comes back to to give the dog more fuel to give them more calories to burn because they're burning a lot of calories even if they're sitting there cold the chamois um, of course is always a great thing that chamois get that water off of them and then the buddy heater but as far as because it's cold we want them to run the bank no i me personally i couldn't get on board with that okay so this is the no-no drill that we did yesterday Mm mm-hmm then we also did what you was was one of my favorite tips i've ever been a part of was the incoming and or outgoing and incoming diversions mm-hmm. axel watches the bird go down marks it and it's but it's a cripple we can see it crawling up the bank over there his point of view he might not be able to see that but we know it's a cripple um axel send him across the pond he goes right through the chute right through the gap gets over there picks up the cripple your buddies are in the blind i don't allow it it's not allowed when i'm hunting but some a lot of duck blinds 90 percent of duck blinds 90%, another bird comes yeah. in chad don't move don't move boom he's safe he's up here he's not in the dog's wing i'm out there it, it happens now the axel's got the bird in his mouth he's coming back and all of a sudden that bird flops in the water and he sees it hit the water and the water splash and that belly up mallard his that head went to it every time yesterday talk to me about this drill and i was impressed with the way axel literally swam back to you and knew so he knew so much to the fact that that was his next job mm-hmm. that when when he got back to heel he healed lined up on that bird already you didn't have to move your feet you didn't have to grab his collar and turn him he 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 healed on perfect line for that for that diversion bird talk to me about that drill very important um you know and a lot of times it can happen going out you know, you, you knock a bird down. Um, say you shoot four or five, you send the dog, and then another one circles back to come back to the ducks that went down. You know, the duck thinks that they landed in the decoys. Comes back and checks them out again, and you bust that other one while the dog's going out. That's an outgoing diversion. They should stay on track with the bird that you sent them on. And the example that we showed in the, in the video yesterday, we did an incoming diversion. So Axel had the bird, and he's coming back in. And like you said, depending on who you're hunting with, um, I like everything is based around dogs when I'm hunting. The whole hunt to me is about the dog work. So if that dog's out of the blind, all of our our guns are unloaded, 
we're on safe um we're, we're gonna work the dog then when the dog gets back in there we take the bird then we'll go back to hunting but i understand there's a lot of people that if the dog's safe and it's a clear shot and the lead man whoever's calling the shot can call a safe shot and they knock them down i've seen time and time again and i get the phone calls time and time again hey brad old joe was on the way back with a bird we knocked another one down that's um swaying back around and he dropped that bird we were in a river he dropped that bird to go get the um other one that we freshly killed well the river took the duck off and we can't even find it it's gone or like the example, happens all the time all the time and the example i made yesterday was a cripple you know he drops the cripple and goes and gets the crushed bird that we killed right there in the decoys that's literally 10 yards from us that we can see flopping where i mean that bird could have sat there to the end of the hunt and we could have picked him up but the cripple that was crawling up the hill it got away because he dropped his bird and didn't do the job that we wanted him to do which was make that retrieve then we'll go back to the diversion but this is a drill i mean this is something you have to turn into a drill format and water it down and work on it all the time in our scenario it was out in the water um toolies and different terrain but i would start it right there in your backyard and he wanted it i oh, mean yeah. as, as qualified as axel is mm-hmm. you know you brag on a master hunter hunter retriever chat man he wanted that like oh, he wanted to drop that bird. Flat, imagine if it was a flapping duck yeah if it was a flapping duck but, over there this but morning. he's done it a thousand times with me because i know that's the most important thing in the world to you you're sitting there on film got him coming back with a great bird your cameraman's zoomed in on him i mean he's coming back y'all were to bust another one and i know you don't do it but y'all were to bust another one or something else comes in maybe a duck comes and lights in the decoys you know we've seen that before your guns are down but he lights and decoys well he drops that bird and goes to the, the bird that lit i mean that messes up the whole hunt and you you lost your bird so what I, I go back i would water it down do it in the yard two bumpers throw one if you're on the clock throw one to 10 o'clock let him go get it when he's on the way back pitch it off to the side at two say no here bring him to you and you can stop him when you throw it that's what i like to do stop him let him mark it no here bring him in heel go get where's your mark go get the other bird and then pinch that in then go to 11 and one and get them tighter and tighter and then increase the difficulty with cover water so on and so forth until you really got that concept down look if you're coming back in and something else happens that's fine we're going to get it dude just work with me but you got to bring that one back and if he were to drop it no and then you need to handle him or go back out there and show him tell him fetch this one up bring this one back then we'll go get that one last you hunt in a state where it could be it could be uh the term is slipping my mind but it's it could be really good but it could be really bad what's that word what's that phrase i'm looking for it's like feast or phantom like you might you might see a hundred mallards in the decoys one day and you might see one one teal on on any given day in this state where you hunt that explanation that brad just gave are you shooting that bird when your dog's out coming back with another no no especially with the you know what i'm saying though there's sometimes there's not a lot of opportunity no and that's true and usually where i hunt there's not that much opportunity um very seldom do i miss but you know that's another issue (laughs) (laughs) but um no i don't i i kind of think similar to brad i'm out there for the dog and i get as big a kick out of the dog work as uh, as the hunt and you know 
that's why as an amateur that's not into the trials but i love training dogs so i go out and work with my dog just for those <clears throat> occasions when the dog is doing good and you're proud of you might be sitting out there all by yourself but you know you're pretty happy so i <clears throat> i work with the dog all the time when i'm out there if i shoot a bird and he's going out to it i don't want to shoot another especially with a young dog i don't want to shoot another bird to interfere with what he's doing as Brad was saying, and I do work on uh, the diversions, as he calls them, you know, uh, when I'm training in the yard. I don't have the opportunity to do it out in the water, but I will throw dummies, uh, and have him retrieve, throw another one when he's coming back. And so we've worked out on, on the dry ground a lot <coughs> with her. With bounce. With bounce, yeah. So that drill was up your alley. You've seen it. You, I've, I've, I've seen it, maybe different terminology, but it's same same thing great drill great tip like that because that is so important to me with i could vividly remember nebraska this year running water some ice form on the water moving down there that one duck falls and gets picked up by a mini glacier it's gone axel marks it and he gets out to it and he gets it the last thing that can happen obviously safety is a huge part of river hunting and some dogs get it and some dogs really blow it, you know, yep. the far as the lead and getting on the, you know, and then being able to fight back um, and, and get back to you. That's a whole other podcast of river hunting with dogs. I've seen some horrific accidents with dogs on yep. rivers. Um, but that that is a huge thing to me. Let of, me stop you right there for just a second. I know it's a whole different podcast for a different day. But just like what you just said, the river, you need to practice it go down to the river in your shorts and you know yeah. not your hunting clothes and throw the bumpers across it and teach those dogs how to handle the river how to navigate but, yeah. but just like what you're saying here and the example we're making and what we're talking about right now if you don't practice it you can't expect this dog to perform no. properly no and it's and it's 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 uh, one of one of my other things about the duck blind is and you made a comment about how all of your hunts center around a dog right is that's the best part of a hunt i love yeah. calling but when you get to hunt with a dog that is trained and is there as like axel like there i would never hunt without him again i just will not hunt without that that's caliber true. of a dog ever again so you get a flock that comes in you know that there's a certain time period in any hunting you know the geese might fly from 8 to 11 right they might shut off at 9 30 as scouting goes and as you start to learn and your instincts kick in in this waterfowl game you can say all right well we're not leaving because 11 to 2 is going to be mallard hour right that's that's power out hour for mallard sometimes people are like no way if we're not there first thing in the morning well my point is you kill a flock they come in and you got seven dead geese out in the hill and you got a high-powered dog. I'm going to be damned if I don't let him shine for all seven geese. People are always on me. Run out and get them geese. Run out. Because they're always, mindset is always, we got to kill hurry, the next hurry. flock. And that, that I, I get it. It's a And mature. to pick up seven birds on blind, because some of them might not have marked oh, on yeah. blind. I mean, that's going to probably take you 10 minutes. It could. And your buddies are going nuts. They're and they going love nuts. to watch the dog for the first couple. But then yeah. after that, hey, let's pick these up. They're losing go. their mind because yeah. they're coming and I'm not moving. I'm just yeah. sitting there going, oh, we'll, get, we'll get the next flock. But again, that's a maturity deal. But I've been that guy that's like, come on, get back in the blind. And then I got four geese in each hand. My heart rate's 190. I got to get back down in the pit blind. Now I got to try to pick up my call. I can't even blow my call because I ran out there and picked up 30 pounds of geese in each hand. And now you're running through it on a rutted cornfield. And that dog's looking at you like, you asshole. Yeah. That's my job. That's what I'm here for. You know what I mean? Like, you got to let that dog shine. I'll tell you an example that 
even myself um i've let my buddy shoot um if you're shooting in green timber those birds are landing 360 degrees around you they're not just landing and you're not killing them out front exactly so say that bird lands behind us i send my dog he's back there he's making the retrieve he's coming back and then out here in front of us in another little pocket we have some just floating down maple leafing down and my buddy's standing there i'm gonna let him shoot him but right there our example that dog's coming back he's looking at me but he sees a bird fall right there he drops it just in, in that running water comes by me and goes after that bird now that right there there's no safety factor in that and i've let i've allowed that on my hunts and i mean so you this incoming diversion would definitely come into place in green timber a lot you made a comment yesterday about timber about losing sight of the dog and you don't want to and it's easy to do in timber he might only be 70 yards out there and can't see you because of the trees and and, you know trees line up different in the timber right and it's nothing for ducks to come in and and one goes down and he's swimming and you see the visual because you can trail him on the water and that dog goes to where you think it is and now all of a sudden those ducks you know another flock flock starts working and you're like damn my dog's over there can't work this flock you know what what did you mean by that of 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 the sight picture and, and, and losing sight of your dog in the timber i tell all all my um owners when i'm teaching them and i'm giving them lessons and all my trainers all my guides that guide for us out of sight out of control and i never want a dog out of control i always want my finger on him and i mean there's so many things that can happen in that green timber i've heard all the time of you know dogs getting hung up and something getting entangled in their collar where they can't come back um i've heard of you know getting on a cripple and ended up on the highway you know going all the way to the levee and getting out on the levee on, on where a road is and i mean those cripples you know how they are they'll they'll go a thousand yards that dog just keeps going so that's ne- a great point and you know there's a lot have i allowed it i see a duck right there and my dog goes out of sight chasing it i've allowed it but i wouldn't ever again because i've heard you gotta I mean, since 2003, we've been training gun dogs. Probably, I don't know what the number is. Say a thousand dogs, thousand gun dogs. I've heard all the horror stories. If there's a horror story with a dog, I've heard it. And letting that dog go out of sight, there's a lot of guys called me and said, "Brad, she went out of sight. I saw her. We never found her. I mean, we've been looking. All duck camps been looking for two days. We never found her. Or she get hung up and the collar. Well, yeah, we found her. Um, you know, four hours later, but she got hung up in some." in some vines and stuff or a piece of um paracord was back there from i guess somebody else hunting and it got wrapped around her collar she couldn't make it back um all kind of safety if they're out of sight you need to call them in is is that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that the dog's out of control they're out of your control yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that's what you're saying is that yeah. you have no and, control and, and, the, and the dog's trying to do its job yeah but it's a safety factor if, if you can't see them and that's when and that's when different training devices and methods come in that we could talk about another podcast um so the idea of the diversion we got we got through this this is this is so important like that tip right there i was like that was we executed it perfect to that i hope viewers can hear this will watch the tip on youtube and the foul life um to know how it's a very easy tip to train for very easy but it's it's it, it happens in duck hunting almost every day almost every day in duck blinds does that happen where again it's that period of duck, when the ducks are moving 
and it's up to you if you're going to let your hunter shoot that bird as long as the dog's in safety in, in safety lane then I can't tell people not to do it because no. I get to hunt seven days a week. I always got to keep in consideration. This might be this guy's only day of the, the month he can hunt. You know, and a lot of times in the places, and you're familiar with where I hunt, but there may be somebody over here, part of your hunting part, but you may be separated 60, 70 yards apart. Yeah. You got some of your buddies are over here and you're over here. Your dog's making a retrieval. These guys are shooting over there. That's a good example. And they don't have a dog. Your dog's coming back, and they shoot one over there, which is pretty common uh, in, in this country. It is. <clears throat> and so that dog, and, and they're a long ways. They totally be, safe. It's totally safe. Yeah. But they're 60, 70 yards down yeah. on the edge of the pond. You're, you're I've right. been on I've been on dove hunts that you bring that up. Yeah. You know, in dove hunts, you get that. You might surround a field. You, obviously, you're safe. Yeah. But I've had it to where I've had a dog marked the bird that I just shot and I send him and he freaking takes off on the bird that he yeah, saw go down another from down. another shooter. Yeah. And now he, now he's like 500 yards out there and you can't yeah. stop him unless he's trained right. And he'd bring back somebody else's bird. If you work on this drill a lot and increase, after they get it in the yard, then increase the difficulty where you set them up to fail and then show them, no, no, that isn't the way I want it done. This is the way. You do it enough and they get it. They get it. All right, we're going after this bird even though I'm watching that one down. And I've had good dogs. They'll be on an outgoing diversion like that in the dove field, and they'll just stop, not sit, but just stop. Watch that other one down, look back at me, and then keep going for the bird they're supposed to. Yeah, I've seen Almost that. like, hey, I saw it, boss. Did you see it? <laughs> I, I'm going to get this one, but I'm coming back. You're going to let me get that one now. You <laughs> yeah, know? And that's I'm the like, best. And it runs chills up, and I'm like, dang, I, 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 I know what he's thinking. I, I, I know what he's thinking. I know better than to go get that one, but I did see it. I did watch it and then he goes on and does does what he's supposed to do that's that 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 gives me chills too because i love that part mm -hmm. of axel mm -hmm. axel axel's a, a different obviously for me he's the best there ever was you know he might not ever get a pass and if he doesn't he's because the, uh, you constantly hear and i've heard you say it you don't have to be a field trial champion to be an unbelievable duck dog well, the dog that got me into this game Bo, he never passed a master hunter never did i mean he wasn't but anybody will tell you he was god sent i mean it was meant for me to be a dog trainer and without the dog bow i wouldn't have had the opportunities or the direction to go into dog training that dog was so good and made me look good to put me in this profession and he was god sent but he wasn't a hunt test or field trialer at all did you name him or was he get was he already named when you got him i named him after bo jackson uh -uh, Bo and Luke Duke. Oh, oh that, that makes sense down the way you're from. <laughs> Greatest TV show of all time last time, Duke's a Hazard. Got a, yeah, one just of my Just a favorites. good old boy, Got never meaning no harm. Who was the balladeer on there? you remember who sang the no, theme song? No, I don't. Who was the, the, do you don't remember who the narrator was? Do you remember? Waylon. Waylon. Was it? Waylon Jennings. Bo and Luke really got themselves into a pickle here. And then the car <laughs> that the General Lee would take <laughs> yeah. off, off the jump, and then commercial they were the worst at cliffhangers you knew you, you'd be you son of a bitch boss hogs about to get his ass and then it goes straight to commercial um so that was my favorite tip yesterday we did we did some really good tips yesterday um the 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 tips that we i want to talk about jace for a second you know everybody met jace on the podcast we did yesterday i want to tell everybody that at 704 maybe a little earlier 701 pacific time this morning chase's dad ryan who you met on i lied 721 
um, Ryan Newmarker sent me a video that I forwarded to Brad. Jace is down on the pond doing the exact drills that he oh, learned really? yesterday on the. the uh, and, 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 and he don't know his daddy's filming him. Did you hear the gunshot? Oh, yeah. Sent the dog. And then you hear Ryan at the end. He goes, yes. You know, he's cheering him on. Mm-hmm. That just shows you that when when you do it right, meaning instruction, tips, passion, with passion, right? Mm-hmm. This is... Like that, yeah, that, that, doesn't that get little any boy has a lot of passion for the whole thing. Yes, and that doesn't that just doesn't get any better to see him not be, I guess, full of shit. Like he meant he mean like he's oh he, he's he, taking it and doing it the he, very next he, morning. He was he was genuine and he and he soaked it in. You know, yeah. It's just I coach baseball and football um, for our for our community and our um, middle school and stuff. And but you give these kids something to work on. You don't see them go out and work on it themselves the next day. But, Jace, yeah, we, 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 sh- we showed a tip to everybody, and then the next morning at the crack of daylight, he's out there working on that tip. I mean, that's that shows how passionate he is about this whole, the game, the, the outdoors, everything yeah. involved in his dog and being, being the best he can be. We believe in protecting our homes, our kids, our families, our loved ones, our communities. We support Blue Line. We support military. We understand what it takes to have safety and security, preparation, visualization, understanding that anything can happen at any time, and we want to be prepared, and so does Sig Sauer. Sig Sauer wants you to be prepared from their handguns to their training to the headquarters to the Sig Sauer experience, the Sig Sauer culture and lifestyle. It's about exactly what I just said. I want to go to bed every night knowing our kids are safe our families are safe i want everybody to be protected especially in their own dwelling their own home know your parameter set your parameter get an alarm system don't take it for granted make sure your cameras are updated both exterior interior and make sure that you understand what it is to have peace of mind like our six hour peace of mind podcast series talks about every week with guests like jared woodard a reno police officer for over two decades what it talks about, what it discusses, what it emphasizes. If you're going to have a CCW, a concealed weapons permit, or you're going to practice open carry in so many states where it's allowed, understand what it means if something goes down. The responsibility. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you trained? Are you practicing? On target. Dry firing. Breathing. Is your heart rate up? Are you panicking? Can you stay relaxed? All of this goes in to what Sig Sauer preaches, and they want you to be prepared their handguns their ar platforms they are second to none they're the leader in military and law enforcement across this country and so many countries across the world we love our partnership with sig sour we hope you're listening to the foul life podcast the sig sour peace of mind series thank you jason thank you everybody jason st john jason Wright. you'll hear upcoming episodes with jason st john an american military veteran and hero he works full-time for sig sour and his story is undeniable and his dedication and loyalty to the Sig Sauer brand is undeniable. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that support us and the culture of the American Hunter. Make sure you follow the laws and regulations of different states across the country. Get trained, get your CCW, and understand what it means to have that responsibility of carrying concealed or open. Thank you, Sig Sauer, and thank you all for listening. The 
I'm texting Newmarker right now because I want him. I want to. I'm asking him how how long he was down there. I want to see mm-hmm. like, did he put it like, did he go down there and just you have to do a couple because you had a few extra minutes, or did he really like go put in a a 45 minute? Oh, it made my day. You showed me that video. I don't care if he did it one time. <laughs> that made my day. Isn't that 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 is the coolest thing about about what we do of seeing it take shape? That's the coolest thing. When I see my nephew Chase. You know, you've hunted with Chase. Yeah, a lot. I mean, this kid is a hunter. Like, he'll stay out there all day. He'll shoot nine boxes of shells to kill his seven ducks if he's, you know, if he needs to. Mm. He's a good shot. Though. And he's a good shot with that 20 gauge, that SP, that new, brand new Super Black Eagle 3. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they used, they've always made the 20 gauge in the M2, but Benelli's got that Super Black Eagle 3 inertia driven with the comfort tech and, and built on the same pro as the. Did it fam- with a 28 too this They year. did the 28 too, which is. Awesome. Oh, man. I'm so upset with Benelli for not having it in left handed yet. But. There might be there might be some news coming out pretty soon. Belly uh, better stick with that twelve gauge. Give him all the opportunity he can get, huh? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. We we did a hunt this year in Arkansas with George Thompson from Benelli Product Design and two outdoor riders. And um it was all for the twenty eight gauge. Well they don't make it in left and they don't want me shooting a right handed gun on camera and I don't shoot a right handed gun ever, so I shot a twenty gauge m2 20 gauge left-handed they do make that 20 gauge and left-handed um and you know how i am when i'm hunting with guys like that i want them to do it you know i'll shoot but i couldn't believe what this was happening to these ducks with these 20 gauges yeah i I mean it and you talk about tony vandemore just habitat flats crushing them too and the cripples you know you're hunting with clients and they shoot at a flock of mallards and they got two kids with them and they got three buddies there's going to be a cripple sure almost every flock the, the the dispatch of that 28 gauge and that's good for dogs because now it's a cleanup factor you know like their their job is to get their clients ducks so they don't have the luxury of having cameras and slowing everything down for a dog so the fact that when they get a cripple in the water they don't waste any time it's tony's bam before he sends kai sure or before before mark sends traeger they they do not let it cripple swim which is fine but that 28 gauge is like the way that it We're penetrates the water smoking. and the amount of bbs and the patterning i've not seen and i mean this i've not seen one cripple not be completely dispatched after it's been shocking to me when we were hunting near john shaw's with the 28s and the 410s uh, I mean, you were bringing them in close, but they did a heck of a job. Yeah, it's it's, just, it's the it's the amount of BBs and it's this new ammo. It's just the new technology and ammo. I mean, I don't know how many people are killing turkeys with four tens now. The patterning and this ammo and this TSS. I mean, that, that, that's that's it's, kind it's of a, the new trend. Yeah, I and mean. it's all, these sub gauges are a new trend. And I, but you're right. You made a comment like, never ever will I not shoot a twelve gauge. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I don't care. Yeah, you, you shoot can, a twelve gauge. You can argue. That I shoot a, I have a twelve, but I shoot a twenty now. You shoot a twenty. Everything. But you're. But you're. You're. You don't. It's not because of the recoil and you no, getting no, older in age, is it? I just like the gun. The, yeah, the gun's beautiful yeah. and, it, and it, it works great. It's light and it's. Fa- I think they're fast. I'll, I'll say this though, I, and I will say this with confidence, and I know that I'm going to get. I know a certain guy in Alabama is listening to this right now, and I know that you're going to text me and you're going, oh, "You're so full of shit that I, he he reloads his own ammo." And these shells for a 410 can up, run upwards of nineteen to twenty dollars a shot. Yep. the way that they can be reloaded and he shoots canada geese with his reload i go bud 90 percent of 99 percent of the people that shoot 410 buy 410 regular 410 ammo 
it's not meant to kill a big 14 pound Canada goose. So with a Canada goose hunt, I'm shooting a 12 gauge. Sure. Now on a lesser hunt, you can get you can kill with a 20 gauge. But again, if it's windy, I'm shooting a, I'm shooting a, tw- a 12 gauge. And the, these sub gauges, you know, we with us guiding as much as we do, <clears throat> I see a lot of stuff get killed. I mean, a lot of stuff. And I mean, these sub gauges and the ammo has got a lot better. But I have some people, even some of my some of my guides, want to argue the fact that, that 20 can kill them like a 12. That twelve, I mean, with it had, with the right ammo in it, it's it's deadly. I mean, it there there's no comparison. I mean, everybody's oh, no. I kill them just fine with a twenty, and we do. And I I enjoy shooting a twenty. I, I shoot a twenty probably ninety percent of the time. But if I'm going out there, say me and Belding were having a competition, and we I mean, shot for shot, we wanted to dang sure kill them. That twelve gauge would do it. Well, it's the same thing with the rifle. I mean, if you're going to go out there and hunt Cape Buffalo, you're not going to do it with the 270. That's right. You know, it, no, it, it, it could kill him, right? Yeah. yeah. Or 460 Rigby. What well, do you use on a Cape three, Buffalo? Three, uh, the, the H&H 375? 375 is minimum at all. I'd say that's probably the most prominent caliber in Africa. In, big, in, yeah. big game. Dangerous game, it might be bigger. Elephant, you don't use a 375, No, do you? those are those are into the 400s. I don't even want to talk about that. I have mixed feelings on all that, but I support it. I don't know if I could kill an elephant. But it's needed. I get it. Um so yesterday was a day of we're filming tips for the foul life mossy pond yukonuba um you see these tips on the foul life but what i talked about yesterday when we were out there is how important it is to train the handler (laughs) and this you said you got to go down and practice well you're sitting there saying you gotta go down and practice for the river so to let that dog navigate that river very important but as a handler you have to understand how to navigate a river we talked about a drill yeah. yesterday about I, I use the analogy of leading a duck and my analogy was you lead a duck and he flies into the pattern well when it gets windy we i'm, I'm moving on to our next drill and where the second most knowledge i gained yesterday Listen. was the whistle drill i never ever in all of my years of duck hunting and i've hunted a lot of rice fields or a shallow water, we should say. You call it running water, where a dog's actually running and not swimming. Swimming is quiet. His head's above the water. He can hear. And they can hear the They can't hear that whiz. They can't hear you when they're running through that water that loud. And we, we demonstrated it yesterday on the volume of your whistle. We talked about the, the uh, what's the name of the whistle? Dallahassee. Dallahassee whistle. Yeah. And, the big, the, and they come in two different sizes. The big megaphone you on know, it. The big megaphone and <clears throat> you're exactly right and a lot of people look over that and that's why i wanted to bring it up because i have guys all the time hey brad old joe he was after that cripple and he was going across that rice field and everybody was standing up had their guns down watching him um and he's lunging across that and then the duck dove on him and he was kind of looking over in this area and we saw from the blind the duck pop up 100 yards to the right well i wanted to help him and I blew the whistle while he's in that lunging water. And, man, he blew me off, and I got my collar out, and I said, I'm going to show him because if he would have just sat and took my cast, we would have recovered the duck. And, in and now it's an ego thing because your buddies are all – All your buddies are watching. So he, he he's digging in his waders, yanking his jacket off. Where's my collar? I'm going to show him. The whole time the dog couldn't hear him. And it's – that's operator error – I mean that is terrible on the handler, and, and you, I've done it. I'm self. I'll admit it right now. I don't I've know done. a duck hunter that hasn't done what I just well, said. You know what I found 
I hunt a lot of the same area a lot, so mm -hmm. I know the water depth, but it changes all the time. Mm -hmm. But if you've retrieved one or two birds, and so you kind of, uh, and there's been times where the the dog is heading to a mark and he's veering off a little bit, and maybe you want to, but he's in running water, and I know even though he's heading off a little bit, if he goes another 15, 20 feet, he's going to hit dry ground or swimming water, and I'll let the dog go off course until he gets where I know that he can hear he the can whistle. Hear you. That, that, so that's called um, like whistle placement. We talk about that in field yeah. trials and hunt tests. And the SRS game, they allow you to handle your dog on marks a good bit. And you blow the whistle to handle in the wrong spot. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's a cluster of trees, and he's on this side, the bird's over here. You don't blow the whistle when he's on the other side. You can't give an over through that cluster of trees. Yeah. So whistle placement is very important. That's, so that, that's important. a great tip right there, Les. So important on whistle placement. And then what I was saying, and is that called whistle placement when I said the analogy of the pattern, I lead a dog on the whistle in those mm -hmm. high winds of where I want to stop him by the time the sound gets there. That's right. Is that considered whistle placement too of when you blow that whistle, right? 100%. Yeah, because if you, you blow it at the wrong time or, or what, what you say, he's on that cripple just lunging. And he's at 400 yards, but that goose – He's about to get on the road out there, boys. I mean, he he's about to hit the levee and get on the road. This is becoming a safety factor. Yeah, you, there's four wheelers flying yeah, up and down. You, and... you, you got to get Axel back, Chad. Don't let him get on that levee. We'll get the goose later. I mean, we'll go over there with the wheeler and get him. <clears throat> blow. Well, you want you want to blow us um, early where the, you know, judging on the wind. And the if you wait until he gets almost to the levee, I mean, by the time it carries 400 yards, he's on the road and the car's coming. So, um and, and like what you said, maybe change this scenario just a little bit. If he's in that lunging water and that levee is safe, where would we blow the where would whistle placement be when he gets on the levee? Absolutely, because right. then he can hear us. And, you know. and I've done that numerous. Times. And you sitting there blowing your lungs out while he's in that lunging water at four hundred yards, he can't hear you. Mm -hmm. um, I knew let, where the let, snow let, goose went down, but I was trying to you know downwind. That's right. Is important, but mm -hmm. then I told you that the 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 it, I guess, what am I trying to say? The, God, what is it called? The positive that he has in this mm -hmm. or the, 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 God, what is it? What is it called? I mean, his vision is also going to come into this. Gosh, dang it. My vocabulary today. I, you got to leave. I'm telling you. Um, the other thing that he has going for him with a snow goose on water is that they're very visual. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm keeping. Great for a young If dog. I can get him in the area. Yeah, great for a young dog done right. Mm-hmm. Introduced mm -hmm. right. But if you get him in the area, I told myself, <clears throat> this is all. Have you guys seen this retrieve that he made mm -hmm. that I'm talking about? Are you talking about their hunt pattern and how, how see? Well, I'm, I'm talking about a, 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 an, an average handler not, not knowing when to blow that whistle uh, taking into accountability the volume the water the wind and the time that the sound takes to get there of of you of giving that dog the, the advantage is the word i was mm -hmm. looking for is the why mm -hmm. the disadvantage of me being the handler potentially in that situation is that i am going to confuse him with the wrong whistle stops oh yeah and he's already in the hunt area he's already there now it's his job to hunt him up and you've you've already been really good at teaching me that as a handler of let him hunt it up Let once he gets hunt. in that hunt area. I would say that would happen more than anything. Everybody wants to help the dog with hands. The dogs that have hand signals, they don't want them to mark the bird. If he goes out there, yeah. and going back to what Belding said earlier, 
um, we want to get recover that game and get him back in there because we want to start working the next flock of ducks. But, I mean, that dog will never learn how to create a hunt pattern if you don't let him hunt it up. Because in the field trial world or hunt test world, we want him to go to a spot and start hunting and hunt tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and get smaller. Because if they get outside of that fall area is what we refer to it, then they're going to get penalized for points. But with a gun dog, it's totally opposite because of cripples. You want them to go to the area and then start working from the inside out and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So instead of the size of a kitty swimming pool, you want him to start like that, then the size of a house, then the size of a, an acre yard, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. And until that happens find, all the time. And they cannot, because you can't teach them that. It has to come with experience. Now, you can with marks. We keep throwing marks. And then what me and you refer to as salting the area, we'll put we'll throw a mark and then put it on a rod and reel and reel it in um, to help with this and reel it in. But we'll have salted bumpers outside of that mark okay. 20 or 30 yards. Right. So when he starts creating his hunt pattern getting bigger and bigger, he has success. He comes up with something and comes back. That's how you can teach it, but the best way to teach it is hunt the dog. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's going to learn if he goes to the spot and then starts making tight loops and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, he's going to recover and find where that game either floated off, drifted off, crippled off. and You know, and maybe it's a little bit off topic, but you see a guy like yourself that turns out a really good gun dog, and, and I've seen this with a lot of my friends, and they get the gun dog, but they don't spend any time with you. And and they'll go out, and within the course of maybe half a season, they got that dog so screwed up. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, you got to train know. the handler. Yeah, and, and then a, all of a sudden you're blame, blaming them. Well, like that's part of his program, goal. though. You have to go and yeah. spend two yeah, or three that, nights. That's in our program, and um, some people don't know this because we run hunts out of our lodge now. But when I built that lodge back in twelve. The reason I built it, the only reason I built it, you can ask my wife, you can ask Lee, the only reason I built it was for people to come and stay and work their dog and be more involved. Before they took him home. To be more involved. And the more that I could work with less and bounce or building an axle, the more I can work with y'all. I know that y'all are performing well and y'all make the brand, Mossy Pond brand, look good. But... I could give you the best dog I've ever had. And if you don't come do those lessons and we transfer that respect over to you and you get on the same page, the same terminology that I do, the same way I do it, man, it's a train Do you need the accent? <laughs> Look at this. Watch this. I just found it. This is the one I'm referring to. Watch. Let's grab this phone. You found it. Oh, my God. You could slide it up, slide it up, and then it'll start over. Start it over. All them e-callers are going too, remember. Oh, look at her. Boom. The whole play, that happened five times that day. He had these people up in arms. They couldn't believe it. And that's a perfect example. But look at, do you see how he zoomed back out? You see how far away he is? Yeah, did you see the car? He's 450 yards from me. When he zoomed, when he zoomed out, you could see how far he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just can't. Well, that's that's, they, how, that's they, how it happens, right? They, they can't get it. They just they just could not believe it. And it was all about what we're talking about with practice. And I practice with Axel mm-hmm. when I get like I hunt every day with him, and it's like unbelievable. 
because see the scenarios that he gets that these high caliber dogs get put in and i i keep saying it's it's weird i've become a dog snob and i have every right to because i can't hunt with a bad dog yeah. i just can't i just it's, it's not doing that dog any justice it just isn't now i'm not saying you can't tie your dog off i'm not saying you can't put him on a lead and so he doesn't break so some dogs still get fired up and they they start to creep a little bit you know axel when he gets out to me for the first couple of days he, he's he's creeping a little bit and, and it just takes a couple times you know get him back in there you know stop and get out and say no and, and might take a nick but the practice with me and what you guys are referring to is like i don't want to say train the trainer you don't guide the guide you're training the handler i know a lot about duck hunting you put the element of dogs into a hunt and you're calling and you're mm-hmm. scouting and you're calling and you're decoying and you're cooking in the blind and you're calling the shot and you're working birds and you're changing decoys and your mojos over here. You know what I mean? There's a lot that a goes lot. into it. And now you add the element of a live animal that you have to be responsible for safety and as a conservation tool. It's a it's a big responsibility. So there's only one way to do it, and that's to have them trained to the yeah, fullest pra- extent of the word trained. Yeah absolutely my opinion just like you say in sports you know practice like you play um i mean and play like you practice but number one thing to ruin the whole hunt for me upset my whole day is to go and it really has been worse since i've had my son hunt with me but watch a guy over there and the dog is messing up but it's because that handler hasn't spent any time with him they let him get away with murder at the house. There's no credibility in his commands. And then he comes out there, and the dog's messing up, and this guy is fighting mad. <laughs> he is furious at this dog, and he's getting on to him. And did, and my son looks up at me. He said, Daddy, that poor dog, that guy, the dog didn't do anything wrong. He's trying. That guy just hasn't worked with him. And, I mean, I, I'm like, you're exactly right. But, I mean, it will spoil my hunt. Yeah, and I, I, I it's so common. And go to a dove shoot, and that dog's running all over the place, tail wagging. He's having the best time of his life. Well, it's not his fault. It's the handler's fault or the trainer's fault. And that guy's walking across that dove field, steam's coming out of his ears. Come here. Come here. Come here. And I'm like, man, if you would have done your job and trained him properly and practiced this stuff, it would be a pleasurable hunt for you and your dog. But now you're upset and mad at this dog. It's ruined your whole day. And it's not the dog's fault. It's your fault. Yeah, and I and I've had this happen, um, in a certain location in the Midwest. Big decoy spreads. You got to practice the ego of the guest wanted to use his dog. Yeah, and he and the dog's never seen a big <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he come down off the ramp. You know, it's a till, it's a still blind, and it's a big decoy spread: Canada geese and mallards. And when he gets down there, he's never seen nothing like it. He gets in there to swim. He checks out he every just, one of them. And you know what has to happen? You know, you know. And this is one of my pet. You know what happens next? He probably has to go out and get five dollar a piece black cloud shells being thrown to mark. You know, there's no rocks in the blind, yeah, right. so we're throwing. He's throwing full shells out there, <laughs> and and the dog can't even see the shells splashing because there's so many decoys. And whose fault? Whose fault is it? It's, is the owner the, and the handler? The dog is never conditioned practice. or practiced in this situation, and people automatically think, "Oh man, my dog made an unbelievable retrieve." That doesn't mean that he's been set up to succeed in this environment. 
Perfect. You just said it. That that that's how you say it. Exactly how you said. He wasn't set up to be successful. No, that's that's very true. Yeah. And then he sees gets down there head level with all them decoys, and he's just he's just doesn't know what the hell to do. Plus, he don't know how to navigate them. So, so what happens so next? Overwhelmed. Now he's pulling now he's nine. Tangled. Now he's tangled up in nine decoys. Well, now it's they're safety. coming back with him. Now it's a safety, safety issue. issue. And now your decoy spread looks like shit because you got thirty decoys up against the bank that doesn't look real. Or real. heaven forbid, if it's deep water, then you have to go out there and help him because it's pulling him under. Yeah, it's pulling you're him talking under. It's about weighted. A ma- That's weighted. You're talking about a mess. Those are four to eight, 10, 12-ounce weights apiece. You know what I mean? In these long lines. And it's just and it's just like, why? What told you in your mind? I know what you wanted to see. I know what you wanted to accomplish. And I know that you wanted to be high-fiving everybody after your dog showed off for us. I understand that part of the human psyche. But what were you thinking that your dog and never being put in that situation was going to be successful in that? Well, like, would, you got to think love, about it. I would love for my son to hit off a Nolan Ryan, but I know good and well. He better keep hitting off the Did tee. Did you see that new data that just came out on Nolan Ryan and the, the technology He's of the 1970s and 80s? He's compared, No, compared to the radar guns today. Because now when you jug a guy and you radar a pitcher, they, the, the velocity is measured out of the hand. Where low and low, the only the only technology back when Nolan Ryan was pitching, it was measured at the glove. They couldn't get the velocity out of the hand. Wow! So they're saying that he was throwing 108 and 109 yeah. mile an hour fastballs. Really? Yeah. Anyway, that's off subject, but yeah, it's like that dog. I looked at him. I'm like, that poor dog. Yeah. I bet you that dog's a hell of a, uh, 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 you know, he could probably be in a pond and see a duck fall and run out there and get it. Maybe he still has to throw a shot. He's probably a never seen a single decoy. Definitely not a whole... Maybe a dozen. Right. Not but, like that, but though. That Every pond we have, we have a decoy out there because the most embarrassed I've ever been is a guy called me after a four-month gun dog, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and say, Brad, he is amazing in my backyard, did amazing on the dove shoot, but we went to a duck hole this morning. We put out 12 decoys, and I sent him on the first duck, and all he did is swim around and nose every decoy, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And what it was, we had trained him, and I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, trained him, did everything right, but we didn't put him around enough decoys. Had he seen some, sure, but we have we have a pond designed just for decoys, how to navigate decoys, how to swim through them, and we work on it heavily now. But um, Well, that brings up a great point, Brad, because I remember Les made a comment yesterday, and we make this product, the ATB. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much a decoy. It's a great training device. Don't get me wrong, but he said, you made a comment, I think, that Bounce has been trained off of decoys. Like, yeah. don't bring a decoy back. Absolutely. So is it, is it bad to train with an ATB if you don't want them ever picking up a decoy? Goes right back to this whole conversation. You've got to practice got it. To practice. We, we, we run the SRS, and that's what they throw, ATBs. ATBs, that's a good Avery, point, too. Avery Training Birds. And in their um, hunt savvy and their everything goes um, hybrid test, they got a million decoys out there. They set up some snow goose hunts that, I mean, look like yours. I mean, thousands of decoys, and they'll throw that um, plastic ATB right in the middle of them. And Are the, they scented? There's no, no scent. But a dog can differentiate between the two sure. with practice. But at home, we practice a stew out of that. We, we'll throw them and make it land up under decoys. And they, they with practice, a lot of practice, they, they know the difference. But at first, like you said, if you haven't practiced it, it's both plastic. The, the bumper's plastic and the decoy's plastic. And I've seen a lot of dogs, they'll throw it out there. Excuse me. And they'll bring a decoy back, and they know better 
than to mess with the decoys when you're throwing a duck. But then they'll go out there and they're smelling around and they say, this has got to be it. And they'll pick that decoy up and bring it back. So, um, yeah, well, that's why I mentioned yesterday because I've never used one of those as a, as a, a dummy. Uh, and he, she's been corrected off decoys since sure. she was young. Sure. Uh, so I didn't know if she would pick it up. I've or had not. duck hunters in my lifetime be prideful that they don't have to go out and pick up the decoys because their their oh, ch- gosh, their chassis is no. going to bring them all back at oh, the end gosh, of the hunt. No, <laughs> no, you just. Oh, but I, I've seen it more than once. Well, the, 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 You've seen it too. Yeah, and, and I've had a Chesapeake. I'm just was proud that he didn't bite anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've seen what you're saying, but. The biggest problem with that, and if you got a dog that does it and you're only throwing out six or eight maybe in the timber and you want to do it, go for it. But water with weights, it is the biggest safety factor in the world. If you've ever seen a dog get tangled and start bobbing, going up and down, and you have to save him, you will never let him touch another decoy in his life because it's the most scary. And then it's a safety factor for the handler. Um, You go out there and that dog's drowning. I mean, it, it puts you in a bad situation in a hurry. Yeah, and that that brings up a great point of your comment about the timber and the out of sight question. Is that my comment mixed with that of everything going on, all these moving parts of a hunt, these pieces of this puzzle? You start a conversation with your buddy. You got the bacon going. You got your you got it. That dog can't be out of sight in that blind either. Like what you're saying, there's been times where you look around and where's the dog? Well, he went down the ramp because a butterfly might have, or like, he yeah. might have, you know what I mean? And now all of a sudden he gets tangled up in the decoys. That's right. And you got to always have accountability. Mm-hmm. As if he's like, if he's on a, on a remote sit, gosh, I can't tell you how anal I am about that and worried. Like Axel's talented as hell on a remote sit in a snow goose spread. Mm-hmm. He's amazing at it, but I still worry. Sure you do. I worry and worry if he's sneaking up in front of somebody's blind. Well, especially if, if you're in a, um, a layout blind or a pit blind. I mean that muzzle, it's the same height as him. Yeah. And, and the 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 out of sight thing, um, and I can understand that. But but a lot of the places where I hunt are so thick in tules that you may only have you just got a small area. You got to try to make the bird fall in there. But there's and there can be tules eight nine feet tall, and the dog's got to you know and it'd be just a patch of tules, maybe a pond on the other side. So. You know, the terrain sometimes, it's hard for them not to be out of sight. I think that that plays into hearing the dog in the water, hearing the dog breathe. You know, you can you can mm-hmm. hear him if he goes around back. You know, you can hear him yeah. breathing. Um, and then time plays into that. Um, am I saying that you have to be able to totally see him the whole time? We wouldn't be able to hunt. We wouldn't be able to accomplish yeah. what we're doing. But um, if he's totally out of sight and you can't hear him, a lot of times you can hear them, even if you can't see them. But if you can't hear them, can't see them, you know, then then it goes on a time thing. We're gonna we're gonna give him, you know, a good 120 seconds. After that, we're gonna call him in. We'll go get that. We'll walk out there after the hunt and help him with that bird. Yeah, and, and so some, one of the sometime in those tulies, they they get back in there when there's a lot of tulies, a lot of potholes, and they actually get lost back in there. Sure, they will. And, and mm-hmm. those tulies are strong enough to get wrapped up in a collar too. Yeah, yeah right, they, they are. Will. I've seen that. They're sharp. They're, they're and they and I've seen dogs get hung up in them because they don't give. Yeah, no, they just don't it's, give. It's, and you gosh. know, tulies start to lay down. People are chomping through them, and then you get a dog tongue up up in those. Mm-hmm. You never know. You know, another thing hunting down like Louisiana with Kyle Broussard of Gator Tail, and you you live in the South, they they run all GPS collars because yep. of the gators. Yep. 
the they they run everything because it's nothing to lose visibility of these dogs mm -hmm. and the the number one concern is obviously traffic and roads but then the gators we yeah. counted 37 sets of eyes yeah in the ditch going out to hunt and i said man you guys it's this is it's freaking late the gate you're like they're in this deep water but they're they're not out in the they you know they control it to where they don't hunt them around them gators but it's happened sure it's man. happened so it's it's the safety is huge but that, that I, lo I love these conversations because this has become easily the biggest part of the hunt for me it, it's it's if being around axel makes my life complete like i don't mean when he got back here this week it's just a different type of life with these dogs because you know what they can do and I'm not saying that, please don't write in and say, all pets are important. I know this. I know that Timmy's goldfish is important too. I'm saying that there's something different that hits harder with a duck dog. And you're working with the dog all the time. A guy like yourself or maybe myself that are amateurs, I mean, we're not dog trainers, but we communicate with that dog all the time. All the time. And there are guys he's, that he's have a, he's duck a, dogs. He's a friend that, and a hunting partner. There's guys that got duck dogs that go out in the kennel and, you know, play with the kids when they don't have anything to do with them until duck season. Those are the ones that are running around and doing whatever they feel like doing. Yeah, you got to spend time and you got you can't take it for granted. Even when no. as highly trained as Axel is, I love getting him out and just getting him reconditioned to my voice, mm -hmm. the way that I sit him, the way that I heal him. You know, I'm I you know, I'm probably too loud. I'm probably too aggressive sometimes when I don't need to be. Yeah, well, I've noticed. Now that. I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, Axel. And you taught me that too, voice. Voice is huge in inflection. Like yesterday we said, just say no. And then, because yeah. now if you say- Save, save you that say, volume. Save that volume because you don't want him to think he's in trouble all the time. You might not think, he's not, might not in trouble at all. He just can't hear you. So anyway- another, another thing about the dog, everybody brags on the dog back at camp. I mean, that's what most of the conversations around sure. all of my hunting is about the dogs. It's just like talking to little Jace- what was his favorite part is the dog work yeah, and it, 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 whether it's upland dogs or the retrievers his favorite part is the dogs and human nature me and you go out duck hunting you just smash them your dog does well i i shoot poorly i'm not gonna come back to duck camp and brag on how great left shot today <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but i'll brag on his dog <laughs> i think what we do less is you load up in this brand new ford truck you got with this lear topper and you and bounce road trip to mossy pond and spend 10 days with oh, brad it would it sounds like it'd be fun oh we'd, you'd have a blast love to have you you'd have a blast you know plus my you, dog hey, has plus never you, never seen a pheasant plus but. you might meet a 77 78 year old southern bell <laughs> you know they're, they're 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 that's a little old for me that's a little old <laughs> this has been another great episode yukonuba duck dog podcast extension of the foul life brad errington the mossy pond general we even talked about general lee today bow and luke hood sliding like bow and luke remember that dirk spentley line mm -hmm. and les nesbitt you guys have heard of les nesbitt he's been all over the foul life all these podcasts your son is a very qualified amateur yes he is extremely one of the best yes he he's is. won the national yes he's the president of what now the nationals the national uh, he, I think he takes over his presidency starts in November at the end of the this this year's, and then I believe he's on the board of directors for um, um, the uh, uh, retriever new retriever mm -hmm. trial news. Mm -hmm. No, he, that's all he does. He doesn't work anymore. It's all he does. Like he literally he trains, trains dogs every day seven, in different states. Seven days. Where's he at? I'll tell anybody this: a great amateur 
like Mr. Lesson will beat the snot out of a great pro. <laughs> I mean, because he, he's got his two or three, maybe four or five dogs that he gets to – he knows them inside and out. And as much time as we spend with our pack of dogs, we still got 15 on a rig. I mean, and that's the, the good ones like that. And I, I love talking to great amateurs like that because they have some tricks up their sleeve and they, they got a lot of valuable you, information. You I love to have you, Is that – is it – legal for an amateur to train with a professional like oh yeah yeah they can so yeah. you guys you and kurt should go down there and visit he just can't he can't take your dog and train it and stay with his amateur yeah and the way i understand it kind of it, it field tars are like anything else there's little nitty groups and stuff and yeah uh, he gets con- he has to watch because if he somebody finds out he's training the dog for somebody then they may hit him or you know yeah it's not an amateur you gotta be a pro yeah you gotta be a pro so therefore you can't run the amateurs anymore well he's a badass dog trainer that dude i've watched him train his dogs i've been around it Man. i mean I, I drove out several times just I to taught watch him, him train. everything he knows <laughs> i drove out to to indian lakes several times just to watch him train yeah. you invited me out there just yeah. to see how you know when i was getting into this thing with axel and i watched him handle and i was like i mean it's impressive what dogs can do yep Les Nesbitt, Brad, thank you. This has been a good trip. <laughs> get, get out of here, please. This has been awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Heck I, yeah. I, I enjoyed training with y'all. And the, gosh, the, well, the view yesterday was, was amazing. Oh, it is. It's, We're know. going back there to train. That's I mean, that's right in our backyard. Problem. Oh, it is. I mean, there's a, a park down, what was a golf course over here that I train at. You can't shoot guns. And, you know, it's a pretty good training over there. Nobody trains in there but myself. And, good ponds? Just yeah, they're all over. Wait a minute, you're talking about the nine hole golf course right down here? Off it used to be a golf course, and and they they closed it down, but they still got all the concrete paths. Last tea time at nine a.m. <laughs> are, are you talking about the one right down here off of Sparks Boulevard? The one by the you know the uh, yeah the the great yeah, big within all the houses. Fields, the big baseball field park they have all the, the great big. Oh, it's over there. Yeah, and it you go park right by there. And, go down this cul-de-sac park by these people's house oh you gotta show me that i don't know what you're talking about now i thought yeah. you, you I can't thought you shoot a gun over there but uh yeah. i've trained over there quite a, you can run a lot of blinds can you shoot a cap gun you can't even do that no i wouldn't no you, I wouldn't wouldn't do that. Do you don't want to bring any attention to it no. you just because you're trespassing less and you don't want to get caught <laughs> <laughs> i i pulled up to the people's house at a cul-de-sac first thing i did is go introduce myself to them ask them if they'd like a <laughs> some whiskey or something he said no go ahead we don't care park and go train all you want yeah less i'll make you a salad if you don't mind because i know you ain't gonna cook anything for them <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with another episode.